Gentlemen, welcome to Electric Leftovers. My name is Jason. This is episode 390. Yeah, 390. I need to change that because I numbered that wrong. 390. Well, this changes everything. I had this whole thing planned out, and now I don't even know what the hell we're going to do this week. It's uh, shocking, really. This shocks me, as someone might say. Uh, welcome to the show. Um, last week, we talked about Dragon Quest, or Dragon Warrior, I should say. Um, <clears throat> this week, we'll read some reviews for said Dragon Warrior. We will listen to some music and get into the back of the box for Dragon Warrior 2. We'll go back to Oddity Central, read some uh, news, and... You know, pretty much just uh, move on in, in the way that I think it's you know expected that we will. How about that? Sound good? Good. Long ago, a descendant of Erdrick the Great defeated the Dragonlord and recovered the mystical Ball of Light in Alifgard. Under the rule of his children and their descendants, there was prosperity throughout the land for generations. One day, however, this peace was shattered by the wicked sorcerer Hargon. Now it is time for you to claim your birthright as the Prince of Maidenhall, for Erdrick's blood also through flows through your veins. Excuse me. With the Prince of Canock and the Princess of Moonbroke at your side, you are about to embark on a most adventurous journey. Use your strength and cunning, for you are about to enter the world of Dragon Warrior 2. And indeed, this is Dragon Warrior 2, a role-playing game for the NES, developed by Chunsoft, published by Enix America in 1980. 
1987, this version anyway. It is obviously a sequel to Dragon Warrior Part 1 because this is Dragon Warrior Part 2, uh, subtitled Gods of the Evil Spirits. Yeah, how about that? So, this game introduces a couple of things new uh, to the to the series from what the first game had. The first game, you were a lone little man out doing your Dragon Warrior thing. In this game, you're a lone little man out doing your Dragon Warrior thing who meets some people who help. So that was the thing. Uh, it's a longer game. It's a more difficult game. It's a more cryptic game. It introduces um, things that we'll see uh, frequently moving forward. Things like the magic mirror and towers and the flying cloth of water thingy and all of these other things that make uh, make appearances in later Dragon Warrior games for no real discernible reason. It's mostly just busy work and it's a, it's a thing I feel that happens later in the series and this game is solely responsible for. Just the busy work of it all. But, you know, it's what you gotta go through to get through this game. Uh, 18 episodes, couple of hours worth of gameplay, a lot of grumbling about the encounter rate, etc, etc. All of that and more await you in this thing here. Okay, so there's a ton of reviews for Dragon Warrior for the NES. And instead of flipping through all of them, because there's a bunch, we've got some regular contributors in here. Um, we're going to skip some of them. Psycho Penguin's here. The Vic Viper is here. Uh, they both gave it a 7 in their detailed reviews. Um, Xylo the Wolf didn't leave us a detailed this time around. Oh, but he did leave us a full review. Giving it a six. D Jellybean, um, who's the name I'm familiar with on the site. Fadubu. Vegeta's here. But I picked a couple that I think will um I think we'll give a, a 
decent response to to what is Dragon Warrior and how people generally generally feel about it. And we'll start off with Danny Perkosh. 2021 relatively new review says frustrating the start of one of my favorite game franchises which i grew up with does leave a lot to wish for the graphics are quite cute despite their simplicity the music can get annoying in certain instances though there are some moments when it's so nostalgic containing the first version of some iconic music from the franchise which you heard last week. The story and characters are extremely bones without anything special to it. I imagine bare bones is what they meant. The worst part of the game was playing it, which is why I rated it so low. The amount of grinding I had to do was just so boring. I had to immediately start grinding when the game just started. It's true, because you have, like, no money. The lack of maps made everything confusing. The lack of clues from NPCs made me spend hours looking for the next place to go. And even with all the fighting I did while looking for the destination, I still had to grind. The good thing was that the world isn't that big. Not only wasn't there a map for the world, but the caves also didn't have them. Hyphen. Talking about the caves, I didn't know the glowing spell would fade with time, so I entered a cave without a torch and wasted all my MPs, which led to me getting trapped inside a dark cave, having to turn the game off and on. This was a problem for two reasons. One is the fact that the space for carrying objects is very limited, especially when we start getting the MacGuffins. The other is the fact that we can only save at the castle where we started, which means I went through a lot without saving and therefore had to redo a bunch of stuff. Finally, the fighting was kind of boring. We control a single character against one single monster. That made the combat very repetitive. The spells didn't even have a description, so the only way to know what they did was to use them. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, the worst part about it was the fact that a lot of times the combat felt like playing a game of luck, since an Ainimi who could put us to sleep would have an enormous advantage. So most of the time the combat consisted of me begging for my stop spell to work for an enemy not to us sleep. This was probably the most frustrating thing about it. Losing a fight simply because the enemy used sleep and then my character didn't wake up until it was dead. Since there is no way to wake it up. Rating 1. Yeah, not very good from uh, Denny Perkosh. Uh, and talking about spells... What do they do? They don't have descriptions. How could you tell? Well, the first spell is called Hurt, and then there's Heal, and then there's Stop Spell, Sleep, Hurt More, Heal More. I imagine the Hurt More spell probably hurts more than Hurt More. That's right. Van Veen in 2001 says, Little Man with a Stick. This is usually referred to as the first RPG, or more accurately, the first console RPG. This is pretty much true, but is not an excuse for mediocrity. Super Mario Brothers and The Legend of Zelda are not revered, excuse me, are not revered only because they were the first of their kind. Their gameplay stands up even today. This is not the case with Dragon Warrior. It took many of its ideas from Zelda, just making fights turn-based and numbers-based and random. Also, the vastly superior Final Fantasy was released shortly after it, showing that there was no reason for the extreme simplicity of Dragon Warrior. This is still a classic, but only by technicality. 
Graphics 3. Some of the most simple NES graphics ever. Everything is tile-based and there are very few tiles used to make up every location in the game. Nothing is animated save the townspeople as they wander around. Battles are completely static graphically, showing nothing save the screen shaking or flashing to register a hit or spell. The one positive thing is the well-drawn monsters, most of which are original looking and relatively detailed. Music 6. The music is a high point of Dragon Warrior. There's barely any of it, but what is there is good, with the overworld theme being especially catchy and lending an air of grandness to the game as you travel. I don't know if I agree with that. Gameplay 3. The only possible way Dragon Warrior could be more simple is if the spells were removed completely. You control a single hero whose goal is to build himself up until he can slay the final boss. You fight enemies one at a time, and there are different enemies in different parts of the small world. They give you experience and gold. You use the gold to buy better weapons and armor. There are a total of around 6 weapons and 6 armors to buy, as well as 3 shields. When you get enough experience, your level increases, and you may learn a new spell. That's all. If you go to any new area without spending a number of hours in monotonous level building in your current area, you will die very quickly. There are towns in which to buy things, and the towns have names. The best aspect of the game is the several puzzles you must figure out in order to complete it. Because necessary items are usually hidden and only by talking to everyone and thinking real hard and then getting frustrated and looking at a walkthrough will you find them. Oh, and everything in the game is done through a menu that comes up, containing commands like talk, open, stairs, etc. Instead of just climbing up the damn stairs or opening the door in front of you or talking to the person when pressing the button, the game makes sure you specify your plan of action. You must prove to it you are smart enough not to, in fact, want to walk up to doors and open people when pressing the action button. Somehow, the game manages to be slightly fun if you get into it, but that's no excuse for the general low quality of every individual aspect. Concept 6. You must defeat the Dragon Lord to save the princess! Exclamation point. Ten more exclamation points. That's not even correct. This was the first console game to use turn-based battles and numerical stats, though, so it gets points for original gameplay. You should play this game if you have some kind of sick love for console RPGs and feel a yearning to appreciate their heritage. That's my excuse anyway. Rating 4. <clears throat> and our final rating from Silicus 2001. Thou so simple, thou so old, thou so addicting. And they begin thusly, Dragon Warrior. Ah, Dragon Warrior. One of the first, one of the most underrated, also one of the most fun. This game gets random ratings. Why? Because people are too picky when it comes to old games. It's because A, the graphics, B, the story is too simple, C, the gameplay is too simple, D, the sound is too simple, E, did I mention the graphics? It's bad, it's bad, they all say. Let me tell you this, it's one of the first. Sure, if a new game were released today that was just like it, it would suck. But look at, as it, look at it as if you've never played an RPG, and the year is around the 1980s. Almost nobody had played an RPG before except for the D&D fanatics. So I'll review the game. It isn't bad at all, just simple. Sure, there are like only three caves, but it's fun and worthwhile, and it's addicting. Let me start the review. Graphics 4. 
It was one of the first games on NES and one of the first playable RPGs, meaning the graphics are dull. But if you're a picky and lighthearted gamer who just can't stand bad graphics, there is a new Game Boy Color game with this game and the sequel. So do that and spend about 30 bucks instead of a dollar. Sound 7. Sure, it was it was the old-fashioned beeps and blips, but the tone was excellent. No one ever no one ever knew that music could sound so fantasy-like in a game. And this is where the game is excellent. Story varies. For its time, this is a kind of story you wouldn't hear, but almost every RPG is based off of fantasy-like worlds just like Dragon Warrior. Face it, it's simple, but okay in some regards. You're a knight, a descendant of Erdrick, who shall retrieve the ball of light from the Dragon Lord. Okay. Yes, that's it. Gameplay. Simple, yet addicting. The gameplay is the most simple part of this game, but very, very addicting. If you plan to get the Game Boy Color version of this game, you won't be dissatisfied. Dragon Warrior proves that simple can be fun. It's the basic battle. Gain five experience points. Ooh, level two. Repeat. Yay! I didn't see that coming. That slime must die! Slash! I think they had an episode. Buy this game. It's very cheap. And if you want a portable, better graphical version and have a Game Boy Color or Game Boy Advance, get that. You won't be disappointed. Replay 10 Plus. Get this game just for the addictiveness. Or else... Thy shall rule upon thee. I don't know what that means. Overall, nine. And most of the other reviews... <coughs> excuse me. Are in that six, seven... Five-ish middle ground. We read the only one. There's a two. There's another two. Um, I see a couple of tens. There's a couple there. What there. Excuse me. So, our, our regular contributors. Vic Viper says, Even as the first console RPG, it remains a text-based adventure at heart. Psycho Penguin says, For a game with so many flaws, it's amazing it still stands the test of time. Uh, Zylo the Wolf says, Real heroes save the kingdom alone, wins the princess heart, and beats blue slimes with a club. D-Jelly being an RPG that redefined the genre. Um, Fudubu, the game that shackled me to Nintendo Power, but I didn't mind. Vegeta, the highlight of the game was finding the flute. Really? And that's, that's all regular contributors. Horror Spooky, and so the quest begins. Sorry, I missed you, Horror Spooky. Um, here's the thing. Graphically, it... Well, who called it simple? Was it... Um, what was your name? Sil Silcus, right? It is a simple game. It's a very simple game. It's very basic. Um, graphics are very basic. Music's very basic. Story's very basic. Combat's very basic. Everything about the game is very basic. But that's not a bad thing. You know, like Pac-Man. Very basic. Very basic game, that Pac-Man. Um... But it's still fun to play, and I had a lot of fun playing this game. Uh, I I have this game. I own a copy of this game. I didn't get the free one. I paid for mine. <coughs> Excuse me. But it, it's just a game that just works, man. It doesn't overreach like some games do. It, it 
I don't even want to say it under-delivers, because... The only way you would think this game would be better than it is, is if your expectations were higher than they needed to be. I think. Because it is. It's a very simple game. But, you can tell what everything is by looking at it. It sounds fine. It... it does... It, it does what it does very well without being flashy. And I appreciate that about the game. The story's bland. Everything's kind of bland. And I know I'm not selling it really well, but I'm not going to lie to you and say, this is amazing, this is great, we love it, we love everything about it. Because it's not particularly amazing and it's not particularly great, but it's just a really solid little entry into a series that's gone up to... 14, 15 games now, I think. I don't know how many Dragon Quest games there are, but there's a bunch of them. There's at least 11, because I've got it. So, yeah, I, I think it's fine. Don't, don't go into it expecting, like, Dark Souls or whatever, Elden Ring, and you'll be just fine. Now that all that's out of the way, news, more news. Where did we leave off last week? Let's see. Do any of these look familiar to me? That one does. That one does. That one does. Oh, that sounds fun. We better read that one. I don't think we'll read that one, but that's weird. Uh, mutant pigeon with puffed out chest and long legs baffles internet. 
Chinese farmer claims to have created half melon, half watermelon hybrid fruit. Uh, it just looks like you grafted a watermelon onto a, a melon. I mean, I don't think it grew like that. That's what I'm saying. I read that. Indonesia's laughing chickens. I feel like that one would be better if you listen to it. Stir-fried river rocks, Chinese street food that's literally hard to stomach. No, it's fine. I could probably agree with that. Fisherman forms touching bond with four-meter-long crocodile. Sure. Art stinks. German artist paints with cow manure. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. The world's largest excavator. Don't care. And in a continuing trend of stories we've read on the show, the Godzilla Ramen has a crocodile egg sticking out of the bowl. We're not going to read that one, because it's probably the same as all the other ones we've read. We're just replacing weird thing with alligator. Poppy farmers struggle to get rid of opium-addicted swans. A family of poppy farmers in Slovakia has been having trouble getting rid of hundreds of swans that have become addicted to poppy seeds and sometimes even overdose on them. Poppy farmers near the Slovakian town of Komarno first reported the presence of swans in their fields back in February. It's believed they were originally attracted by the large puddles of water that formed in the area. But after pecking at the flowers of the pecking at the flowers all day, excuse me, many of them became addicted to the opium-containing seeds and refused to leave. Back in May, Slovakian media reported that around 200 swans had made a poppy field near Komarno their home, causing around 10,000 euros in damage to the flowers and getting so high in the natural narcotic that many of them couldn't even fly anymore. Quote, They came gradually. We counted more than 200 swans here, Farmer Balance Pam told reporters, adding that in all his years planting poppies, he'd never seen anything like it. Swans are usually crazy about rapeseed, the farmers believe, and the farmers believe, excuse me, they confuse the poppies with their preferred delicacy, which is not only made, excuse me, cannot read, which not only made them addicted, but caused serious health issues. Apparently, because the large water birds have an insatiable appetite, several dozen of them have already overdosed on poppy seeds, while many others lost their capacity for flight, making them an easy target for predators. Well, it sounds like nature's sorting this out, right? After suffering serious damage to their crops, poppy fields have been trying to get rid of swans for a while now, but the addicted birds refuse to relocate. Because swans have a protected status in Slovakia, farmers are not allowed to hunt or even disturb the birds, even if they are on their property. In preparation for next season, the farmer should apply for an exception to be allowed to scare away the protected birds. The swans that are already there can only be scared away with bare hands. At the moment, nothing else can be done, says Johns Kalaviskis, representative of the Slovak State Nature Protection Service. Animal lovers and volunteers from groups like the Slovak Environmental Protection Agency have been trying to relocate the opium-addicted swans in an effort to wean them off of poppy seeds, but experts are concerned that they might return to the fields as soon as they have a chance. And I guess a few years ago they wrote a story about opium-addicted parrots causing havoc on Indian poppy farms. But we don't care about that, we care about this! An inmate 
has his sentence reduced by over four years for executing 26 fellow inmates. An inmate in Bangladesh sparked controversy in his own country after being released four years and four months earlier for hanging 26 people during his time in prison. In 1991, Shahajan uh, Buyan was sentenced to 42 years in prison for murder, but he served four years and four months less by carrying out executions of 26 fellow inmates during his time in prison. The 74-year-old man received two months commutation excuse me, for each execution, which, coupled with his good behavior and other aspects, shortened his sentence by almost a decade. Four years? Almost a decade. Okay. <clears throat> um, Shahajan became a hangman at Dhaka Central Prison in 2001, after informing prison officials that he knew how to handle a rope. Bangladesh is one of the few countries in the world that still carries out death sentences by hanging, so his skills were valued highly. I had a good time, he told reporters as he exited the prison. I served a prison term for a long time, but the authorities ensured my comfort and honored me. Among the men victims during his stint were, as executioner were Islamist leader Ali Hassan Mujahadi, uh, Siddiq Islam, known as Bangla Bai, an Islamist leader of the band... Oh boy, this was not a good story to pick. Jamaitul Mujahideen Bangladesh Organization and military officers found guilty of flooding a 1975 coup and of assassinating Sheikh Mujibur Rahman, the country's founding leader. Excuse me. If I didn't hang them, someone else would have, he explained. Even if I feel sympathy for them as a convict, I have to do it. I did not order the hangings. The state ordered me to do it. With no family to return to and no home to call his own, the man nicknamed Jalad, or executioner, said that he would go live with a former inmate that he had befriended in prison. And it looks like this dude dyes his hair and mustache red. Like Ronald McDonald red. That's something. Gas station clerk asks someone to rob him so he could leave work early. A Tulsa gas station clerk is being accused of staging a robbery because he felt tired and needed an excuse to get off work early. On June 5th, Isaiah Jones called the Tulsa Police Department that a masked man had walked into the gas station store he was working in, pulled out a firearm, and threatened to shoot him if he didn't give him all the money in the register. That's an odd way to phrase that sentence. Jones allegedly complied, and the masked robber left in a hurry. Surveillance cameras confirmed the clerk's version of events, but the footage also helped police identify the robber. And when they managed to apprehend them, they learned that there was more to the case than they originally believed. On June 8th, police managed to catch the robber, a man later identified as Stephen Jones. He had no re uh, relation to the clerk, Isaac Jones, but he did tell investigators that he wasn't the one who planned the robbery. Apparently, a woman by the name of Aaliyah Locke, who turned out to be a mutual friend of the two men involved in the case, had asked Stephen to rob the store because Isaiah, the clerk, was feeling tired and wanted to leave early. Locke was arrested for an outstanding warrant and confirmed the robber's version, even providing texts between herself and the two men as proof. The young clerk was also arrested and ended up confirming that he had indeed asked Aaliyah Locke to find someone to rob the gas station because he was tired and needed an excuse to leave early. I love that Oddity Central just repeats over and over. Isaiah Jones is currently charged with embezzlement and conspiracy to commit a felony, while Stephen Jones is charged with conspiracy to commit embezzlement and possession of a firearm. Both men were released on bond, while Locke remains in the Tulsa County Jail and can face charges of embezzlement. 
And finally, ladies and gentlemen, woman goes viral for promoting tree hugging as a form of therapy. Yes, indeed. A Shanghai woman has become famous in her home country for promoting the physical, <coughs> excuse me, and the psychological benefits of hugging trees. Oh, lordy. Kishishki hugged her first tree back in April while out on the Tao with her husband, probably town. Feeling a little tipsy, the woman hugged a random tree on an empty street in Shanghai and immediately felt positive effects. The constant ringing in her ears that she claimed was caused by work-related stress magically disappeared while hugging the thick tree trunk, and this superb first experience motivated her to not only look for other trees to hug, but also share her story with others so they may benefit from it. In a viral post on China's version of Instagram, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce, she said that she felt relaxed and healed after embracing a thousand-year-old tree in a forest park near Shanghai, adding, 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 I was adding a, a syllable there, that it felt like the tree was hugging me and helping relieve all of the burdens she was carrying. The woman explained that she had always felt nervous when hugging other humans, afraid that they might not be able to bear her negative energy. But the trees were very different as, quote, they will listen to you silently and patiently. She made it clear that she does not advise replacing actual medical therapy with tree hugging, but proponents of Chinese traditional medicine claim that hugging trees is beneficial to physical and mental health. Apparently, by embracing trees, people can acquire qi, or qi, however we're pronouncing it this decade, which helps them adjust their emotions. Dr. Stone Kraushahar, a clinical psychologist known as the Hug Doctor, claims that people who hug each other for a minimum of 21 seconds benefit from the increased release of oxytocin. Not sure that applies to tree hugging, though. Well, I mean, the next logical step is you gotta be a bush. You have to be a bush. If I can't be a bush, I'm, I'm no one. I can't be no one if I can't be a bush.
Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Electric Leftovers. Oh, you bet it is. It's it's more done than a done thing. I was going to say Donkey Kong, but that's not how that goes. What are you going to do? Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you did, please consider giving us a like and a review and a whatever else you do on wherever you get your podcasts, which is probably where you're getting this one. That's how that works. Uh, if you would like to subscribe, please do so. If you would like to check out the videos for uh, Dragon Warrior, you can do so on my YouTube page, which you can find at Jason's Groove Machine. If you'd like to join us for a live stream, we stream every Monday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time on Twitch, which is also Jason's Groove Machine. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, because I'm a stubborn, stoic asshole, I guess, uh, you can do that. I am at Jason G-R-V-A-N. And if you would like to financially support the show and thus me you can do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash electric left and buy me a coffee that is it for the week i will see you guys next time thank you for joining me uh, bye 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 now